Hey, Sean Gaby here. Welcome to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast. Wherever you are listening from, we are glad that you have joined us. Please follow us on Instagram at Sean Gaby and at Supernatural Leadership Podcast and or visit kingdomculture.ca or seangaby.com for more engaging content around topics we will be discussing. As well, we would love it if you would leave a review on this podcast as it helps boost our ability to get this content out to more people. If you are new with us today, just want to inform you that we will be releasing a new episode on the first Wednesday of every month and every so often a bonus episode. So make sure to hit the subscribe button so you can keep up to date with every episode. There are so many great leadership podcasts out there and truthfully, I love so many of them. So why supernatural leadership? Really, it's the difference between presence and principle as we discuss in episode one. The very first episode of this podcast really sets the tone for the why and purpose for this podcast. I would encourage you to have a listen if you haven't already. Simply put, we believe everyone has a leader within them at some capacity. Whether you're a CEO, non-for-profit director, media mogul, church leader, pastor, small business owner, manager of teams, a dad, a mom, and well, the list could go on. If everyone has a leader within them, why not make that leader a little more supernatural? That's the heart and goal behind this podcast, helping you connect your natural with God's super, making your leadership a little more supernatural. At the end of every episode, there will be practical activations and exercises to help us grow and mature in the various areas discussed. Thank you for listening to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome again to another episode of our Supernatural Leadership Podcast. My name is Sean Gaby. Thank you so much for stopping by and tuning in uh, month after month, week after week. We're we're hoping that we're going to be able to continue to give you more engaging content. So thank you so much for tuning in, especially to these interviews. They've been amazing. And so I'd encourage you rate, subscribe, share this podcast with your friends and family, and let us know how this podcast is transforming your leadership. That's what it's all about, helping your leadership become a little more supernatural. Well, today, as we've been doing uh, for the last several months, we have another amazing uh, interview chat with an amazing world changer from the United States of America. And just as we, before I welcome her onto this podcast, I'm going to read her bio to give you a little bit of a snapshot of who she is, what she's about, her heart. And then we're going to dive into what I believe is going to be a really challenging, powerful transforming for your leadership conversation. So we are today interviewing and chatting with Jesse Green. She was born and raised on Long Island, New York. In 2007, she moved to Manhattan and worked in the nightclub industry. In 2009, she was radically saved in her apartment after a traumatic breakup and drug-filled lifestyle. After encountering the love and power of God, she sold her belongings and traveled to 15 countries over 11 months working with orphanages, preaching the gospel, praying for the sick, and sharing the love of Jesus. She then moved back to Manhattan and started two companies, Freely B and NYC Collective. In 2012, she met her husband, Parker Green, and stepped into full-time vocational ministry. In 2016, she gave birth to her first child, David, 
And two months later, they moved to Southern California to plant micro churches called Salt Churches and lead grassroots revival through Saturate. Jesse is a revivalist, preacher, wife, mom, visionary, and creative type, along with raising her three children, David uh, Leondes, I don't know if I said that right, Ethan Everest, and Summer Kingsley. She is the director of Saturate, which is a global revival movement that is uniting the church and reaching those that don't know Jesus, baptizing them and making disciples. She believes that everyone is qualified to preach the gospel and teach others to follow Jesus while enjoying the sun in California, she passionately speaks about what it means to follow Jesus that is alive and wants to transform cities and your personal life. The gospel is her passion as she has personally been set free from many things, including shame, fear, and depression. She loves meeting people on the street and displaying a kingdom of redemption to those that feel the furthest from Christ. Jesse Green, welcome to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast. How are you doing? Good, good. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to chat today. So good to meet you. I know that uh, we. this is actually the first time we've visibly met. And I, yes. I remember I had said that we had some similar friends and just recently found out that we have even closer friends than I realized. Some of our our, well, our best friends in the world, Caleb and yes. Davidson, are very close with you guys, you and your husband, Parker. And that was uh, a shock. I had no idea, but... <laughs> Yes, what a small it. world, small world. I keep, I keep discovering the more and more we connect with people, how much we really are just all connected. It's like no one is actually a stranger. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, you have a new book called Wild Fires. I know that we're going to talk and kind of, you know, swim through a little bit of the content of, the, of yes. that book and talk around that. And uh, I believe that a lot of those that are listening are going to be challenged and they're going to be, you know, motivated. They're going to be inspired, but tell us a little bit about this book that was released on May 18th. Um, give us a little bit of a snapshot of what it's about exactly this book called wildfires. Yeah. You know, Sean, I am so excited because I believe that we're in such a unique time in history right now, like today, this year, um, we're about to see one of the greatest outpourings of God's spirit. It's been prophesied thousands of times. We're just entering into it. We're just seeing the birth pains right now. Um, and I'm a huge revival history fan. I like have read all of Charles Finney, Leonard Ravenhill. I just devour it. And the thing is, there's no books on revival written in the midst of revival. They're all after reports and accounts. And I believe this revival we're entering into that's going to transform every bit of society is an invitation for every single believer. And so um, the Lord actually last year in the midst of revival said, I want you to write a field guide that can equip every single person to revolt against apathy, to not just be lulled to sleep by this religious spirit, but to actually like wake up, get engaged. Like we have a culture fight to get involved in and we need the church. We violently need the church to actually rise up and be the church, to be the body of God here on the earth. And I, I think God's partnering with those that will say yes. And this book is just a way to activate people to just go all in. It's amazing. You know, I love like in your bio, this book sounds so, so interesting. I haven't 
read it yet. Um, I've heard about it and uh, I can't wait to dive into a little bit of your journey because I know that a lot of your journey in the last season is probably content in this book that I know the listeners will be really intrigued to, to read about. But um, yes. I love that in your bio, like you, you seem like a very well-rounded individual. I mean, you're a businesswoman at heart. I know that we were talking earlier and we were talking a little bit about this and how like you, we are speaking the same language. You want to yes. impact the world around you, not just the church, not just in the the four walls of the church, you know, as people always reference that. And your heart is to reach out. Your heart is to uh, reach those that are influencing culture and your heart is to see reformation and transformation in the culture. And here you are, you're a businesswoman. At the same time, you you got a heart, you had an encounter with God, you got a heart for the church. And then outside from that place, you've decided, I know that in the last season, to take it outdoors and to do, I, I believe it's this movement called Saturate, to do the stuff of the kingdom that yes. we as supernatural leaders are called to do. You've been doing it on the beaches in in California and down south. And tell us a little bit about that and maybe bring us into sort of your supernatural leadership journey and how you came to this place. And first, maybe just tell the listeners, like, what's actually happening right now with Saturate down in California? Like, what is Saturate? What's happening? And then tell us how you got to that place and started to do what you're doing right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely outline a lot of, I guess, the journey that got us into it. I never thought I would be called a revivalist in any sense of the like term. I didn't really even want to be in ministry. I love the marketplace. Um, I am an entrepreneur at heart. Um, when I first got saved, I worked in the nightclub industry, like you mentioned before. And so I, I have this evangelism passion where I wanted to see everyone in the nightclub industry saved. And so as a believer, the first business I started was a business that partnered nightclub owners with orphanages in third wow. world countries. Oh, I love it. And I, it was like, I think I was a little bit too on the cutting edge with the idea. Um, Cause essentially we would work with nightclub promoters and if someone would buy bottle service, it would help support Heidi Baker's ministries. Wow. <laughs> it was crazy, but it was so much fun. And I just, I we actually ended up leading um, tons of famous DJs and doormen and nightclub owners to the Lord because they kept asking, like, why are you so passionate about this? Like, and I would get to share Jesus with them. And I loved doing that. And it was always, I, I felt like I I loved being in the church and I loved being around other believers and cheering one another on. But I feel like we all have these different roles to play. And I think as leaders and as um, people that are supernatural, our job is really to ask God um, on a regular basis. I mean, every single day, I, I feel like I wake up and I ask the Lord, like, what is it that you want me to do today? How do I partner with what you're doing on the earth today? Um, 10 years ago, that looked like starting a nightclub company as a believer, which was so controversial. Um, honestly, I, I got a lot of negative feedback about it, but I didn't care because I, I wanted to see nightclub people saved as much as wow. any, any other person. And then, 
Um, I, I think that people don't realize, and, and it's been this journey of just saying yes to God, no matter what. And then that's led to stepping into full-time ministry, which I thought I would never do. And then God essentially in 2016 showed us a vision of thousands of people being saved and baptized in Huntington Beach. And again, it was that invitation to just go all in. And in 2019, um, so this is pre-COVID, 2019, the Lord just said to me almost audibly, Sean, he said, the harvest begins summer 2020, prepare the nets. Wow. And I thought I was like, I'll be honest, I was a little bit annoyed because this was spring of 2019. I was like, why not this summer, God? Like what makes 2020 more significant than 2019? And God just said to do this. And I thought we were going to do a big evangelism conference. And we had invited all these speakers and we were going to rent out the Hyatt and go out into the U.S. Open of surfing and evangelize at the U.S. Open of surfing. And all of a sudden, COVID hits. Everything shuts down. All None of my speakers can come. Like everything, the Hyatt's closed. The U.S. Open of surfing is postponed. And I, at that point, was pregnant again with our third child. And I was relieved. I was like, thank you, Jesus. Now I don't have to do this conference with a newborn. <laughs> and, wow. Um, and then, Sean, the Lord said the craziest thing. He said, Jesse Green, I am not a liar. The harvest begins summer 2020. Go wow. to the beach and see what I'll do. Wow. And so, wow. so at this point, you're still pregnant. I was still pregnant. I was 36 weeks pregnant with our third baby. And um, we obviously couldn't find a venue to do anything at. And we had lost most of our church partners and all of our speakers canceled because they couldn't fly in. Everything was in lockdown. And so I remember crying to our committee like, who's going to speak at this? Like, no one's like, we don't have a speaker. We don't have anything And uh, one of uh, the prophets we know that everyone would know listening to this um, basically just said, Jesse, like God's eye is on you right now. And he wants you to preach the gospel. And I was like, no, no, like anyone else. I was like hiding in the luggage or something. Wow. (laughs) And so I went to the beach and Sean, I thought, I swear, I thought there was going to be like 10 people out there. And uh, there was just crazy stuff happening with lockdowns. Um, and so I just went out there and the first week we had about 300 people show up and I just preached the gospel and tons of people just ran into the ocean to be baptized. Wow. And then in the course of six weeks, we baptized over 2,500 people. That's so, okay. This will stop there for a second. That's amazing. (laughs) How did like, so when you just showed up to the beach, did you have like a a microphone? Did you have like a band? Like, give me the, give me the scenario. You show up like just cold Turkey, just you and an acoustic. Like what, what was the scenario? Give me the scenario. Yeah. So obviously we, we didn't have a permit for the beach because they weren't giving permits for anything, um, any events or anything like that. And actually three days before, so God said, start July 3rd. And because we were going to do it during the U.S. Open. And now that that was postponed, I'm like, when do we do this? 
So he says, go to go to July 3rd. So two days before that, um, our governor, Gavin Newsom in California, releases that all of the beaches are going to be shut down for Fourth of July weekend. And I'm like, what in the world? And so everything's going to be shut down. We have all of our intercessors praying and literally just prophesying that it will stay open. They decide to keep Huntington Beach open just July 3rd and then shut down on the 4th. Wow. So Huntington stays open. We go out there and we have literally a eight foot by eight foot pop up like beach tent. I have a $60 Amazon megaphone that was terrible. Like you literally could not hear anything from it. And the batteries kept dying. (laughs) And we had two people on acoustic guitars and a cajon. (laughs) <laughs> and literally, like, I'll, I have to send you videos. It's so crazy. There's some online, but there would be points where I was screaming the gospel so loud that, like, the veins in my neck were popping out. But literally, honestly, it was, like, right out of the book of Acts. People miles away said that they would heard me preaching the gospel. Wow. And came. And I, I know there's wow. no way without the Holy Spirit that they heard me. Literally one guy said he was walking down the road and he was on 10th street, which is 10 blocks away from where we were. He heard me preaching the gospel. He was going to kill himself that day. Wow. He came, heard the gospel, ran into the water, got delivered of demonic spirits, and then started being discipled by these two people that were on the beach on our ministry team. And I just found out this story about, Two months ago, I ran into him at the beach and he started crying and he was like, are you Jesse Green? Like, but honestly, it was it was so crazy. Like people were able to hear without anything. Wow, that's that's wild. So here's here's for everybody listening. This is like an example of presence led leadership. You know, we have principle led leadership. You can lead by principle and you can do the right thing, say the right thing, build the right way. But then you have this often chasm between principle led leadership and presence led leadership, which often does not make sense. Like it doesn't make sense the way God leads us, just like the way he led the Israelites through the wilderness for 40 years, doesn't really make sense logically. And that's this whole podcast in its entirety is based on this premise that the way God does things is very different than the way that we do things based upon principle alone. And so this is an example of presence led leadership. God speaks to you, Jesse Green. I'm not a liar, even though it doesn't make sense. Everything shut down. Everything is not going in your favor. At least that's what it seems like. No, quite the opposite. Yeah, quite the opposite. But yet when God speaks, there's like a favor attached to his voice that doesn't look like a favor that's with men. It looks totally different. No matter what man does or doesn't do, if God opens a door, if God speaks a word, he is not a man that he would lie. And it's it's going to happen his way. His words do not go void they accomplish what they were sent to accomplish so like keep going on on this journey like bring us along on this journey now now you you've baptized 2500 people when the first i think you said six weeks or whatever right yeah so we we were we were gonna do a few weeks and then 
obviously, so nothing's happening right now across the globe because of lockdowns and everything. And then it's crazy when we were in New York, I even asked the Lord, like, why are you moving us to California? Why not New York? And again, it's that presence-led leadership that you're talking about because here's the thing, God's strategically doing things that you don't understand, that you can't wrap your mind around, that are for the greatest kingdom success. And we think in our way, I'm a type A personality, so I'm like, I want to have my ducks in a line. Like, I, I want to know how it's all going to go down. And one of the things we've learned as a family that I think is honestly one of the greatest leadership principles I've learned in the last 10 years is that ultimately, if you're a believer, obedience is success. And so we have a family motto. We have it written in our house is obedience is success. So whether you have a crowd of five people or five million people, if the Lord has told you to do something, you don't know what he is strategically aligning for the greater good. And so there are times, I mean, we did a pop-up church in the Hamptons and on paper, like it looked like an ultimate failure right so this was back in 2013 and if you were looking at the numbers and all of that it was like oh church strategy this is terrible like this is not working this pop-up church however sean that obedience is success leadership principle is that we were learning how to trust and pioneer and risk with god and so what happened was we learned how to do things that were countercultural, that were uncomfortable. I mean, doing radical evangelism in Montauk and East Hampton in the midst of the summer is not what the church is normally doing. And so on paper, it didn't seem like these huge gatherings were happening, but God was shaping us wow. into the kind of people that could then lead a huge beach revival during a global pandemic. Wow. And so I think that sometimes we don't realize that part of leadership development is all of those things that happen in secret and all of those things where you're like, on paper, this is not successful. But if you really are trusting and yielded to God, you're understanding that if he's telling you to do anything, even like for a year, Sean, God had me picking up pennies off the floor for a year. And I was like, this is pointless. Why am I doing this, God? I want to reach nations. Why am I picking up pennies? This is so stupid. But I, I, I knew that I needed to be obedient no matter what he said. Because if he's the Lord, then he's in charge. Yeah. And so I was picking up pennies. And then all of a sudden, after a year, the Lord just drops to me. And he says this. He goes, Jesse, I had you pick up pennies because they're, they're worthless. Like they, they have no value. And I needed to see if I could trust you with the things that have the greatest worth, which are my people. Wow. Wow. And so I just feel like, honestly, I, I just feel like God's right now just saying this. Like if you're listening right now and it seems like God's having you do things that seem mundane, insignificant, um, even like you're not getting noticed for it or it just it almost feels like God's overlooked you or is having you do things that seem so honestly stupid or confusing, I just want to encourage you to just press in, keep yielding, keep obeying, because it ultimately is for the greatest kingdom success. Wow. Um, but he he might be doing something behind the scenes you don't even know. Wow. That's amazing. I love that. That's a powerful story. What seems insignificant to us 
often is the most significant to God. I think that's the, that's, 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 that's the word for all of us in a season where we feel like we're maybe we're in small beginnings. It often feels so insignificant to us, but yet it's most significant to God. It's the little things that really matter. Let me just ask you a question. You, you mentioned a story about this guy who, um, who came back to you two months ago on the beach, was crying, thanking you. Share with us a little bit about the impact that you've seen culturally, whether it's in media, because media picked up a headline that noticed these gatherings during a lockdown, like what's happening. Like, I'm sure it was controversial. I'm sure there was like, these people are causing the coronavirus to spread. Like, I'm sure like this was a narrative that was being spread, but even bad press sometimes can be very good, be good press because then people are interested. They show up, they want to see what's happening. They have end up having an encounter with Jesus. Like bring us into some, I don't know if you have any crazy milestone yeah. moments over the last year. Cause how long have you <laughs> been meeting these, these, like how long has this been going on for? Like, did it go off and on or was it consistent? Yeah. yeah so it went off and on. Um, we ended up pausing after six weeks. And for me, I, I would say I'm more of a, like, I, I see visions of what God's doing. And then I obey that. So if God's not showing me another thing, again, like with that whole obedience to success thing, I, I can't just do something out of my own strength or ideas because it doesn't work. It's never worked. I've learned that lesson too many brutal times to try to keep learning them. So I, I need to see what God's doing. And so even um, I would say even just another leadership lesson is learning when to pause and learning when to strike and I think that that really comes, that risk factor comes from really prioritizing the secret place. And so even just getting violent with um, spiritual disciplines of prayer and fasting and solitude and silence. And um, Dallas Willard has a great book called Spirit of the Disciplines. And I, I know like sometimes my charismatic followers don't <laughs> love those things, but Jesus did them. And, you know, sometimes the crowds, like literally the crowds were screaming at us. We have pictures of thousands of people in Pirate's Cove just saying, keep going, keep going. And the Lord said, stop. Wow. And that's countercultural. That in itself is countercultural because we're used to being fueled by momentum and we, we kill ourselves and burn ourselves out because we have a poverty mindset when it comes wow. to the moves of God. Yeah. And so we, we historically, it's like revival hits. So just keep going, keep going until you're dead. And um, I think we're entering into thousands of years of revival until the return of Jesus. And he wants to teach us how to sustain revival. And the spirit moves like a wave. There's like this ebb and flow. And so we've been we've been striking and resting, striking and resting. Um, so even with Saturate right now, we're doing a revival tour to redig the wells of revival across the nation. Um, I just shared last week that we are moving out of our house July first. Um, we're moving our family of five into an RV, and what's so crazy is um, again, it's like it, it's just yielding to God. It's not how I would do it. It's not even what I would think is how God would do it. 
But for Kentucky, we just rented 200 acres of land in Kentucky. Why Kentucky? I have no idea. Would I pick, pick Kentucky? Probably not. Like, I'm a city girl. And God's taking me to the boondocks of Kentucky to From leave From New York City to Kentucky. From, <laughs> yes. Crazy. I'm like, what in the world, God? But he said that he's going to pour out his greatest glory in Kentucky and to invite people to come stay in tents. Um, and I, like, I can't make this stuff up. Like I, I would never choose to stay in a tent myself. (laughs) I'm like probably more bougie than most revivalists. (laughs) And yet it's just what God's doing. And so we say yes to whatever he's doing. And I believe that what he's going to do in Kentucky this July will be such an undeniable display of his glory and power on a national level that every single person in this nation is going to have to decide if they believe in God or not, but they can't say they don't know anymore. And we just saw a bit of that last summer in Orange County. And like you were saying with the persecution, I mean, it was wild. We had police at our house all the time. We got citations. Um, we, I, I was nursing my two-month-old baby and was holding the baby in my arms while the police were saying, if we move forward, we're going to prison. And wow. I, I remember crying and saying to my husband, like, am I willing to, like, go pick up formula and drop the baby off at our friend's house because I believe that God's asking us to preach the gospel? Um Wow. And I I remember, this sounds so funny, it's like stupid little things, but like that night I I was going to wear a dress to the beach and I literally put on shorts and a jacket and a hoodie because I was preparing to spend the night in jail. And it's, honestly, it feels like you're almost lying when you tell these stories because it's like, we're in America. And you just think that this would never have to be the scenario that you're thinking about. And then yet the LA Times, they wrote five articles about the revival that's breaking out. And here's the thing, if the COVID stuff wasn't happening and the persecution wasn't happening, there's no way the LA Times is going to cover a Christian gathering. (laughs) So thousands of people came and got baptized because of the bad press that we got, because of the favor we weirdly had with LA Times. And then the funniest story is, and I'll have to send you a picture of it, the police actually put up these like electric signs up and down Pacific Coast Highway that Saturate was canceled. But what's crazy is we didn't do any advertising. And so that weekend that they put those signs up, we had triple the crowd because people started looking up like, what's Saturate? Crazy. <laughs> and so they people were coming and they're like, I saw Saturate was canceled. So then I looked it up and I came, will you baptize me? And it was just, I was like, what in the world is happening? Everything that's being planned for evil and planned to shut us down is actually helping in some crazy way. <laughs> Wow. So you went from like in the beginning, 300 people in a week, I think you said. Yes. So what was the peak? I would guess. And obviously, so it's so hard because like my husband 
used to be a part of Hillsong in Sydney. And so he like is used to being able to like track and organize everything. And he's more of that mindset. And he would try to like guess how many people are there. But we're out on the beach and on the hills. And so people are everywhere all over and moving all the time because there's no chairs. So we're estimating that there is anywhere between five to seven thousand people on the last weekend. Wow. So but then like it was hard because people are like up on the hills and then down the streets. And then so that's what we're guessing. Like we tried to like count by clumps of people. Wow. Um, but that's that's, that's that's the rough estimation. That's amazing. And so what what like what would you say to listeners here listening to this? Like really, it's an inspiring journey. And it's, it sounds like it's only begun for you. Yeah. In this season, you're starting a whole new beginning with selling your stuff and moving into an RV and then traveling and doing this and starting in Kentucky in July. What would you say to listeners out there that are wanting to take a step, but are scared? Like they, they feel like God has shown them something impossible to do. Like, it's like Jesus saying to Peter, okay, come out on the water. So that's impossible. I can't walk on the water. Like it's impossible to walk on the water, but Peter still got up out of the boat and tried he stepped out right what would you say to people that are in that 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 season where they feel like they're in the boat they have the word but they're wrestling with the tension of actually getting out of the boat because the boat's really comfortable what would you say to those people because you at some point probably were in that space being pregnant 36 weeks pregnant and yet you're going to continue to do this thing that god told you to do but do it very differently on the beach with a cheap megaphone from Amazon? Like what, what would you right. say to those yeah. people that are scared? So I'm going to say something a little controversial and we'll just see how it rolls. <laughs> and, but um, right now we're seeing such a rise of deconstruction um, across the bride of Christ. And I always kind of see what the enemy is doing to try to take us out as a clue to what the Lord is actually wanting us to do. Um, so the Lord actually told me the enemy's not creative. He's reactive. So if you're seeing like a massive manifestation of something, it's actually a sign of what the Lord is actually doing and hone in on that. And so the last year I've been thinking about that very question, Sean, that you're asking right now. And I actually think that deconstruction is a clue to what the Lord actually needs us to press into, which is wild, radical faith building. And so Love it. there's nowhere in scripture that we're told to dismantle our beliefs, but we're told to actually stir up our faith, that you've been given a measure of faith to steward your faith well, to like hold on to your faith, almost take everything you have and invest it into that faith. And I believe that faith truly is, it's this supernatural ability to believe the things that you cannot believe yourself. And so all wow. of a sudden, like, and here's the thing, we've all been given a measure of faith. Like it says that in Romans, it's a promise from God. Everyone has a measure of faith. And I saw this picture. It was almost like we were all given like a coin of faith. So let's say you you decide to follow Jesus. Every single one of us gets given that coin of faith. And then there's like this stock market of the supernatural. And you decide where you invest that coin. And it's either going to earn interest or it's going to 
just totally depreciate. And when you deconstruct your faith, when you don't risk, when you don't say yes to God, you're investing the faith in the wrong things. And then all of a sudden you're like, it feels like I have no faith and none of this works. And it's because you invested it poorly. But this is why I love podcasts, like what you're doing. And there's so many people, I think, that are trying to provoke people to take action, to hone in on leadership skills, to actually pioneer, to risk, to get into the marketplace. I'm like, listen, listen to all the podcasts you need to listen to until your ears bleed and you finally start believing the word of God over your life. Yeah. And I mean, I listen to podcasts while I'm in the gym. I read, I'm reading 12 books right now and I do everything I can to build on the little faith that I have so that I can keep risking when I think that there's no way that that can happen. Wow. And so I think like you were saying before, I, I think the greatest leadership thing that we can do as Christians, whether it's in the marketplace, if you own a business and God's giving you even a tiny, tiny impression of something he might be doing, I would say take that coin and risk it on God, then risking it on fear, risking it on potential loss, risking it on the lies of the enemy, but say, what if God will possibly do this thing he's showing me? What could possibly happen? Wow. Well, that's totally a word, you know, and that like, we could definitely go on a long rabbit trail about the whole deconstruction <laughs> situation that's happening and is honestly like a pandemic in and of itself. Yes. The whole yeah, deconstruction, 100%. I don't even want to call it a movement, but it's a thing right now. And it's 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 a worse pandemic in the body of Christ than the pandemic we actually are living through and in. And uh, yeah, that that's a whole other conversation. You, you got, you, you, I'm tempted to go there right now, but I, I, you know, I love what you said, and I love, you know, like taking clues from what the enemy is doing. The, the enemy is very reactive, and he's not a creator; he's a created being. So he just distorts. He mm-hmm. steals the copyright, tr- or tries to steal the copyright. Tries to twist and manipulate things that. Um, that he he can because you know he knows what god is he knows what god is doing he knows right he knows right. He, like the, even the demons believe in jesus like, like right. the a non-believer well okay sorry but even the demons believe in jesus so right. it's like they, they know what what's up and so he'll do whatever he can to sidetrack us and instead of allowing us to be constructed by god it's like this is a time to be deconstructed in the name of God, but the deception is it's actually not God doing the deconstruction. You know, God does the renewal. He renews us. He right. revives us, Paul. Right. And we can hone in on this. And, and we, you know, we're renewed by, we're, we're transformed by the renewal of our mind. Yes. And there's a metamorphosis that takes place. And it's, it's more about building than deconstructing. It's more about reviving and realigning and recalibrating right and, and yeah so now we're going to go down this trail i don't want to go down this trail yet right right now maybe that's another episode but but just continue on this track a little longer um has there like while we're in this space of you know impacting culture you stepped out of the boat trusting god with a little coin like you mentioned um give us like was there like a, a failure moment in this whole journey during the launch of saturate and all that God was doing where you learned 
the most valuable lesson? Maybe you highlighted in your book. I don't know. I'm just kind of speculating. <laughs> yeah. Was there a moment where in this last year you would say this was the turning point? Like I made maybe a mistake. Maybe I, I listened to God, but missed the timing. Cause often that's what we do, right? We hear a word, but then we miss the timing. Right. And so was right. there, I don't know, was there a moment where you would say that everything changed for the better because you learned a lesson in this journey that you'd want to share with us to encourage us in our journey? Yeah. I mean, a thousand lessons. I feel like I said to someone the other day, I feel like I'm in supernatural revival boot camp. And I'm like, I I'm, sometimes I'm like, Lord, I literally can't learn one more thing. Like I'm, I, I, I'm like, my flesh is just like dead and totally, I'm just like, there's nothing left. There can't be another lesson. There can't be another risk. There can't be another cost. And then he's like, move out of your house, dude. I'm like, oh gosh, God, you're so crazy. Um, but I actually have a whole chapter of the, a whole section of the book with multiple chapters called Traps. And oh. it's all of the terrible, horrible, horrific things that happened in this last year. And specifically, there's one chapter that I actually took out of the book and slowly had to put it back in. And I didn't want to. And I still feel a little bit like Ugh, about it. But the chapter is called Keeping It Real. And it's literally parts of my journal of just the raw me wanting to quit me wanting to hide um losing friends through this whole process which was probably the most brutal part um honestly Absolutely. i could yeah i i actually had no problem with the cultural persecution um I, honestly i was kind of fine with that like my husband and i have a high threshold for risking in society um what was hard was the relational persecution. Um, people that we trusted, like with our heart of hearts that we thought were in our corner that were telling us that we had rebellious spirits. And wow. it was like heart-wrenching. And my whole identity was just like falling apart. Everyone was telling me all their different opinions. I mean, there was weeks where I just had to get off social media because we literally, I would turn on my social media and there would be tens of thousands of comments calling me a cult leader, uh, the Antichrist. Um, we had death threats at our house, um, like handwritten notes at our house without postage. And wow. we're like in hotels, like it was just crazy. And I just remember thinking like, I don't want to do this anymore. Honestly, like I... I'll, I'm just going to have a raw conversation with you right now, but I, I honestly do know why we don't see revival all the time. And I, I talk about it in the book, but it's so easy. And I, I've been that person. It's so easy to pray for revival, to prophesy over revival, but actually doing revival. First of all, oftentimes the church is not really ready for it or on board so you feel that like the family members are not with you and you're like, this is the thing you've been praying for. <laughs> What's happening? And then the persecution comes from all sides. The enemy doesn't play fairly. Um, 
we had witch crazy witchcraft come against us. I knew nothing about all of this. I'm like reading every single book. I think I read Discerning Prophetic Witchcraft by Jennifer LeClaire in two days. Um, cause I'm like, what's the Jezebel spirit? What is like, why is our house flooded and our cars are not driving? And I don't know anything <laughs> like someone help me. And uh, like half of our team, um, like fell away and there was like backbiting and slander. And I mean, I'm still facing some like slander stuff and you're just like, and the Lord kept saying to me, which is, I'll say as a minister, and I know you can probably relate to this. God said, you can't control perceptions. And I would say that's my hardest leadership lesson is like wanting to defend myself and my heart motive. And sometimes you just can't. And it like, it's just the worst because you're like, I just love Jesus and I want to see people saved. Like, that's it. And People are going to make up stories and perceptions. And God just said, like, I'm your defender. And that's going to be true for you right now. And that's honestly, that's really hard. Like, I I will say that's probably the harder, hardest leadership lesson. Um, Wasting my time having meetings with people that just wanted to destroy me and hated Mm. me. And God was telling me to not meet with them, but I wanted to meet with them anyway to share my heart. And prophets like Patricia King telling me, don't go into the meeting. It's a trap. And I'm ignoring their wise counsel because I want to defend myself. And then it turns into worse accusations. It's like, you know what? That's, that's a word like, and this is like, you're, you're bringing up like whole new podcast episodes here. You know? <laughs> Thousands that, of whole series, Sean. That, yeah, for real. Cause that, that's a word like, you know, I love Patricia. We actually just had her recently. Um, she, she, she's like a huge spiritual influence over Michelle and I's life. She actually is the one who gave us our not-for-profit. She gave us her oh, uh, wow. I love that. charity and we just changed the name to kingdom culture. She forwarded my first book. Um, she, she's been a huge impact on our lives and she, um, she understands this probably in a way that most don't. And I've watched her navigate like Christian war. Right. And like, once again, this is like a, we're getting on a rabbit trail. We don't usually do this by the way, but you're stirring me up by all these, all these (laughs) things are like, causing these like new pivots in the conversation, <laughs> but she, she like, she has lived through what I would call like Christian charismatic war. Now that yeah. that's a very, um, for most people listening, they're like, what are you talking about? Well, Christians tend to wound their own and that's a yeah. reality. And, yeah. um, div- you know, division happens. I mean, just look at, I mean, just look at the world around you. You don't, you don't have to, you know, just because, you know, the world's divided. It's, it's the same in the church in a lot of ways. And it's not supposed to be, but it's humans. Right. When you get a bunch of humans together, right. you really can't control their perception of you. And that's the biggest challenge. And that's one of the biggest, I think, spawns of what I would call Christian war is that yeah. everyone's judging everyone's motives. And yeah. the reality yeah, of it yeah. is we don't often judge correctly. <laughs> and we judge wrongly. And uh, Patricia King has been an amazing model and example. And so I think sometimes, uh, and I've watched her navigate it. I think sometimes, and I, I when you were talking, I, I decided that we're going to call this episode Taking Risks. Oh, I awesome. think sometimes the greatest risk 
is not stepping out of the boat onto the water. The greatest risk is what you will lose when you win by walking on the water. Hmm, and I think those so risks good. are the relationships, the misunderstandings, the jealousy and competition. Well, Peter walked on water. That's not fair. How come you didn't call me Jesus? Like, why didn't I get to walk on the water? It wasn't, right. didn't say my name. I think all of these things, I, I realize this, like hearing you talk, I think sometimes the greatest of the part of the risk that we don't see is the aftermath of success. Wow. But actually, yeah. what if I sink? It's actually, right. what, what if, if everybody abandons <laughs> me when I actually walk on the water? Right. And I think you, you've done right. that. I mean, it's like you wow. stepped out of the boat. You saw incredible breakthrough, incredible, you know, 2,500 people baptized in six weeks. I mean, incredible things happening. You took those risks, but the risks that were even greater was all the friends you lost along the way, was all the stress on your family, was all the potential, you know, health issues that could come as a result of the stress. Those are the greater risks to me in the right. end. And I think that's what we, that, that that's the cost in a lot of ways that we pay more than the miracle itself, which feels like the biggest risk at the time. Right. Miracle. Right. What if the miracle right. doesn't happen? No, it will probably happen. But what about <laughs> all the other things that will happen that aren't right. a part of the, are a part of the promise. <laughs> you know, right. you'll walk on the water, right. Jesse. You'll walk on the water, but I'm not going to tell you what you're going to lose as a result of walking on the water. You know, right. so that's that's, that's really powerful. Really, really powerful. Just as we close, just for time's sake, because I think we could go on and on. This is amazing. Yeah. What would you say are some key takeaways? Like, what would you want to leave the listeners with? You gave us so much good content so far. What would you want to leave the listeners with as a practical like activation? Like practical activation um in taking risks um where like and maybe it's in your book and maybe let us know as well how can people connect with you how can they find your yeah. book and track with what you're doing uh moving forward yeah um so first and foremost you can get the book on amazon barnes and noble target wherever you buy books um and it's called wildfires and um I, and they have it on Kindle and all of that stuff too. Um, and then if you go to saturateglobal.com, that's where you can see the upcoming events that we have this summer. Um, I would say, I, I feel like God's been giving me this word where if you've been doubting the realness of God or you feel like you've experienced religion, but like it seems like the glory and the power and all of that is almost like magic special stuff for someone else um i'm telling people like literally just get a hundred dollar tent on rei and just get yourself to kentucky and i i just feel like it's been kind of a scary word for me to say um i've already gotten feedback negative feedback on it so i know that it must be a god thing but i keep telling people um come and god's gonna prove himself to you and I believe that there's going to be massive deliverance that's going to happen that specifically people dealing with depression will leave the property completely free. There will be no depression there. Um, and wow. so my husband keeps saying, you're really calling in quite the crowd. A bunch of depressed people is going to be quite the quite the party. <laughs> and, but I, I feel like God's going to bring the opposite spirit and this joy outpouring to counter that depression 
is going to break out and I keep having visions of people sleeping in the tent and getting delivered of demonic spirits in their sleep on the property. And so um, just come and see. And um, I the biggest activation I feel like I want to give people is um, there's been this. It's so weird. And I'm just going to just do it. Um, God's been having me invite people into this prophetic act of essentially consecrating yourself for the Lord and deciding to go all in. And we know about being baptized to be born again. Um, like we saw the the conversation with Jesus and Nicodemus, and we've seen baptisms unto repentance and John in the wilderness, calling people to live that brand new life. But I believe right now for believers specifically, so this is different than unbelievers, believers specifically, I actually feel like God is setting apart this remnant that's going to go all in. They've counted the cost. They literally don't care. Like everything's on the table. And I feel like for you in your own private space as a prophetic act to fill your bathtub and to go under the water to just almost consecrate and set yourself apart and to say to the Lord, it's like this, I don't know, I can't describe it other than this prophetic act of just going into the water and saying like everything else that belongs to me, I lay it down, I give it to you, Lord. And to come out and start praying this way for six weeks and just see what God says. Just start praying, God, show me what you're doing and how I can partner with you. Show Mm. me what you're doing and how can I partner with you? And ultimately, my husband and I started doing this and that has now resulted in us moving into an RV and selling all of our stuff and moving out of our house, which I thought we were in California forever. So it's it it will work. Um, I'm annoyed that it works. (laughs) Um, But I feel like God's giving us this massive invitation. It's like, The invites are going out to this great feast. It's the wedding feast that we've been praying for. It's the wedding feast that's been prophesied over and the invitations out for the whosoevers that will take it and he'll go into the highways and byways and get those people to the party. It's just whoever wants in. And I'm really excited about that. That's amazing. You know, I love I love the verse John 5, 19, where Jesus said, I only do what I see the father do and that you know in the very first episode of the launch of this podcast uh that was sort of you know that's sort of the the big portion of the premise i guess if i could say that 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 sort of frames this entire focus of this podcast is is getting a hold of what god is saying and doing and then doing it and so that's good. really what you're you're saying and so just to reemphasize what jesse was saying for the activation is to spend time in that space, meditate on John 5, 19. You know, if you, if you, if you can do what she said to do, you know, as a symbolic act, spiritual prophetic act, just kind of lay in the water, come out and just hear what God wants for you in this season. What does he want you to let go of? What does he want you to step into and take that risk, which is what we're talking about today on today's episode. Take that risk. I want to encourage everyone out there to buy this book wildfire. I know right now in the time of, of recording this episode, it's number it's the number one charismatic book right now, uh, number one re- new release charismatic book right now. And uh, I want to encourage everyone to get it. 
and uh, follow what Jesse is doing with Saturate and the Salt Churches and as well as all the events coming up. I would encourage you to get connected and I know that you won't regret it. Thank you so much, Jesse, for taking the time out of your crazy schedule to be on this podcast. So great. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Well, we'll have you again. Thank you so much for those that listened. Once again, to our Supernatural Leadership Podcast, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, share it with your friends. This podcast is all about helping you, the leader, become a little more supernatural. My name is Sean Gaby. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time. If this podcast has been an investment into your life and or impacted you in any way, we are incredibly thankful. We would love for you to join us in being able to continue bringing leadership content like this every month. Of course, it does not come without a cost, and our heart is to continue bringing you more improved quality and content. If you would like to partner with us with a one-time financial gift or to sign up as a monthly partner, you can do so at kingdomculture.ca. Thank you for listening to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast.